Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Okay, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, my guest today is going to tell us a little bit about himself and his experience with family when he um, came out as tra transitioning to male. So um, guest, tell us just a bit about yourself. Hi, so thank you so much for having me on. Uh, my name is Cade. I am a trans man who has been medically transitioning since uh, September 29th of 2020. And uh, I work at a retirement community in Seattle, and I'm going back to school for, for nursing here in the next following months. And that, as I shared with you, I'm so excited about that. So yeah. um, I know that your story is about, you know, some of the things that have happened with your family and your experiences once you um, came out to them as trans and kind of explained to them, you know, who you are and then how they reacted. So tell us a bit about that experience, kind of what, what has happened, um, how the relationship has been affected and so on. Yeah. So um, I was very fortunate and mostly grew up in a household where acceptance was was universal, whether that was coming out as gay or coming out as a lesbian or coming out, you know, as a different religion. Like we, I grew up in a home where um, religion was not necessarily enforced. Um, my parents wanted me and my sister to be able to experience that on our own and make the paths for ourselves. Um, so I came out officially um, in 2019. 19, the very beginning of 2019 as a trans man. Um, and my parents were originally kind of shocked by it, but they were ultimately accepting. Um, it wasn't until I started medically transitioning at the end of um, 2020 that my younger sister had a huge problem with it. Um, my sister is younger, about three years, um, and she is married to a man who is hyper, hyper religious um, to the point of, you know, uh, if it's in God's plan, we're going to have as many children as humanly possible kind of religious affiliation. So when I came out to her originally, she did not interact with me or talk to me for the first three months of my transitioning. Um, when I had asked her to be my matron of honor for my wedding, um, it took her an additional two months to kind of get back to me. So then she proceeded to inform me that I was um, going to confuse her children, that her, her, religious, her religion, her family did not agree with me transitioning and that I was essentially a abomination. And I, you know, I, I was the sister that she had to mourn now and I wasn't dead yet. Um, everyone else in my family, excluding my aunt has been very accepting. And I believe that you have actually seen some of the things via Facebook um, yeah. of what yeah. she has said. 
Um, but yeah, it was, it was very interesting having grown up in the same household as her learning that we accept everybody that religious affiliation or gender or sexuality doesn't matter. Um, for her, you know, 20, uh, she's 29 now. We haven't talked for about three years. So she was 26, a 26 year old who I had spent my entire formative years with to just kind of, uh, cast me aside just because I didn't identify with what I saw in the mirror. So, yeah. So were you close before this? I mean, you obviously grew up together. Were you close siblings? I mean, you were going to ask, or you had asked her to be your major honor. So I, I, that's an honorable thing to ask. So how was your relationship before all of this came to be? So our entire family was extremely close. Um, I, you know, since the family has kind of fractured. Um, we had had family doctors say like, to like my mom being like, you had the picture perfect family. Like you all were very close and interactive in each other's lives. You, you know, were very honest with one another and you kept everybody in the loop. Um, and so it, it genuinely came as a shock to everybody in our, not only immediate circle, but our extended circle that this was the straw that essentially broke the camel's back for my sister to um, run from the family, essentially, was my choice, and quote, unquote, my choice to transition. Um, most, most everybody, so everybody that I, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Most everybody else, what? No, go ahead. Oh, most everybody else has been fine with it. So it was just surprising. So has, has this changed your sister's relationship with the rest of your family or just with you? With the entire family. The entire family. Um, so in essence, she has like given up not only her relationship with you, but with other family members because of this. Yes. So um, I'm the second youngest of 27 first cousins. Uh, it's a huge family, and my sister is therefore the youngest. She's the 27th, um, but she has um, distanced herself from literally everyone in the family, not just my parents, um, but also my cousins who we were really close with growing up, my aunts and uncles, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So one thing that comes to mind to me, I mean, your sister saying that she needed to mourn her sister dying, um, but you actually weren't dead. Um, I've heard this phrase in families where a trans individual comes out to their families where, it, but it's mostly been, you know, I, I have to mourn the previous person and now I'm welcoming the new person. So usually, you know, that, that, that thing, well, this is no longer my sister. This is now my brother or no longer my, right. my daughter is now my son, right? Whereas with your sister, it was more, I can't accept anything other than the fact that this person, you know, was my older sister and therefore, you know, I can't move past that. So I, I'm, I, I'd like to know, you know, kind of, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to guess that would be hurtful to have that, that happen, especially with someone that you've grown up with, that you were close to, um, you know, kind of, 
not only just, I mean, you use the word abomination for heaven's sake, that's, that's, that's a terrible word, you know, <laughs> how, how that impacts you when you are in and of yourself, you know, learning all of these new things about yourself and who you are to have someone, you know, do that. And just, and just, how does that impact you or has that impacted you? Yeah. Um, you know, you, thankfully we're on a podcast all about grief. Um, but you go through the array of emotions. You go through losing your sister and also saying goodbye to part of yourself. Um, my view of myself as a trans person, which I cannot say is the same for everyone, I pay homage to my female self because without her, I could not have gotten to this point. Um, growing up and seeing the strife and things that she went through made me realize the man that I wanted to be for the rest of the world and for myself. Um, so when she went ahead and said that I was an abomination and that she had to mourn her sister for um, me still being alive, of course, you know, I felt sad and angry and I bargained and I finally accepted it through lots and lots of therapy. Um, I have a, I had a partner that, you know, is and was very, very supportive through the entire thing. Um, and they identify as non-binary. Um, but yeah, it was a struggle. It was, and there's still moments where even to this day, three plus years later, I still contemplate whether or not I want to reach out to her and try to seal things over just to see how she was or see how she's doing. Um, I think the hardest part of all of it was there was no acceptance at all when it came to me being around her kids. Uh, that was a shot to the heart that I wasn't expecting. Uh, she went on to say that it would be too confusing for the children to have me one day be anti, you know, so-and-so, and now Uncle Cade the next day, as if it was flipping and flopping daily. Well, that's just not, and it's not how it worked with me. There are plenty of trans people that detransition, and that's their choice. But, you know, I've been fairly consistent, I would say, over the course of three years. <laughs> but yeah, yeah and, it's and, and unfortunately I, I would think that the way the kids are being raised is part of why we have you know some of the, the ignorance if I'll use that term in our society and our culture with people not realizing you know that we're all different and that's mm -hmm. okay so I'm um, it it, I don't, it hurts my heart to think about those kids growing up you know, not having their uncle and not, you know, be experiencing that, that sense of, of openness that it sounds like your family had when you were growing up. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's some unfortunate, like I said, it hurts, hurts, hurts my heart to think about that for kids, especially. So um, yeah. uh, the whole thing about the kids being confused, you know, uh, that, that comment actually irritates me, to be honest with you, where it's like, yeah. you know, 
and again, you make that comment about, you know, choice, this choice of doing this. It's like, you know, things, some things aren't a choice. It's, it's understanding who you are and being honest to, with that. Right. So mm -hmm. it's, it's obvious that I don't know whether it's because of, you know, her religious and the husband, whatever, but obviously she's, the sister's not really, um, clear on that. Not obviously not very clear on that. So, um, when you talk about you reaching out to her, um, I'm, I'm curious, would you be thinking about doing that because you want to get back to having a close relationship with her? And if so, do you think it's possible? So I think more or less, it's a matter of seeing how she's doing, because if, because I've listened to your podcast prior and people who are isolated from their family or isolated from people that genuinely care for them, um, it's harder for them to leave. Yeah. And while I'm not necessarily saying that there are other things that are going on behind closed doors, I hope and I pray that there is not. But there is that portion of me that I'm comfortable in my own skin and I'm happy with the person that I have grown into. This was never really her. And that is jarring to think of. So I think that me wanting to reach out for her to her is not necessarily me trying to get close to her again, because I think that based off of interactions that we have had, that time of closeness is a little bit more guarded now. I think that I want her to have the same type of happiness that I have in my transition with the people that is around her. And I'm not sure that she's getting that. And that's unfortunate. Um, there's also a part of me that does think about the kids. There is, I believe, four of them at this point, um, three of which I've never met. And I, if anything happens as far as those kids coming out as queer or in any facet of the LGBT community and they feel like they have nowhere to go. I, I would hope that they would find me because um, I would take them in in a heartbeat. Yeah. So. And the, the, the suicide rate for especially young people in the LGBTQ community is so high for mm -hmm. reasons very similar to what you just mentioned. And that again, hurts my heart a lot. Yeah. So um, how have you kind of gotten to the point where you can put, I mean, especially I, I keep going back to that abomination comment, which just like, oh my God, how do you get to the point where you can like say, okay, that's, you know, that's her. I, how, how do you not be hurt by those comments? Or, I mean, obviously if you are hurt, you know, how do you get past that and realize, you know, that's her opinion, that's her, you know, religion or whatever speaking, and that's not really you know, who or what I am? How do you, how do you get to that space? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest, lots of therapy. Um, I am a huge advocate for therapy, especially for people in the LGBTQIA community, um, because it's isolating and it makes you feel like you're alone. And the thing is, is that you're not alone. There's plenty of people inside of the community that either identify as you or have gone through something similar um, that feels like it breaks people. 
And to bring up the statistic, it's 73% of youth will attempt suicide in the LGBTQIA community um, because of matters in regards to this. They're either forced from their homes or they feel like they have no one and there are dozens, if not hundreds of resources out there to be able to make sure that you're safe and heard and validated. Um, I thankfully have a partner that is also part of the LGBTQIA community. Um, and they've gone through, you know, mispronouncing pronouns or things along those lines. And it wasn't until I moved to Seattle that I realized that there is an entire group of people that are similar to me. Um, family, even if you don't feel like you have one right now, it, there is a family waiting for you that will help you through it. Um, you just take it one minute at a time and eventually it gets easier. The pain is still there but eventually you'll get through it. Yeah, and, and the, the, the comment about, you know, your sister making the comment that, you know, this is your choice. Um, I don't know why anyone would choose to go through something like that, right? It's like, yeah. it's, it, it, it's like, I don't know, you know what I'm talking about, but it's kind of like people to, to say that that's a, a choice you would make. Who would choose to have this, you know, divide with someone that they, you know, love and have grown up with, um, no one would choose that, right? So it's no. like, it's like for that to be a, um, a thought process or, you know, whatever, that part is, is frustrating, I think. And um, part of what I also wanna make sure that you know is when we air this episode, um, we're gonna include some resources for, uh, especially young people that um, might be in the same situation where, you know, how, how can they, you know, find resources that might be helpful to them. So um, we're definitely going to include that. But uh, one of the question I have for you is um, if you were talking to a, a trans individual, whether that's young, I don't care whatever age, and that person is thinking about, you know, coming out because they've realized who they are, but they're afraid. Mm -hmm that they're going yeah. to have this unacceptance, whether it's family, friends, coworkers, whatever, what mm -hmm. advice, what, what would you say to them? I mean, it's never going to be easy, but no. what would you say would be, you know, you would say, well, you definitely want to do this. You definitely don't want to do this. Is there anything along those lines that you can share? Yeah. Um, finding someone you trust and who loves you no matter what, and practicing with them first. Um, I was very fortunate to come out to my partner um, and I wavered, I struggled. And at first I thought that I was gender fluid. And then I was like, no, I'm just a lesbian. And then I was like, no, that doesn't feel right. And I was open and honest about my struggle with someone who I could trust explicitly, whether that is you know, a counselor, whether that's somebody in, in the community, whether that's, you know, a family friend, whether that's, you know, pick, pick your person. Um, but for us in the LGBTQ community, 
we don't come out just once. We come out every time we see someone we care about. You'll come out multiple times throughout your life. Um, and that's really hard. The thing that I encourage people to do is just take it one minute at a time. And at the end of the day, it's just a bad day. It's not a bad life because now you're living your truth and living in the in the closet and in the shadows kills the soul. And I, I would rather be a resource for people in our community to come and talk to um, than to hear about another one of us passing. I, and I will happily like give up my email address as well. I will even make one to be able to support anyone in the LGBTQIA community who, who needs it, who listens to this podcast. Um, because just having one person to kind of bounce ideas off of is really important and it saves lives. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. I mean, for sure. I, I, I know a number of people, I have a very good friend who's a gay man um, who was raised Mormon and his experience wow. with his family has been really not good, not good. Yeah. So yeah, when it comes to, you know, certainly beliefs and cultural things, whatever, where people are just simply unable to accept something, it's, you know, it, it's going to take time, I guess I'd say it. it's like inter, interrelation or inter, um, interracial marriages, for example, whatever, those mm -hmm. are now the norm, right? Whereas, yeah. you know, 50 years ago, it was against the law. So right. you know, some of this is kind of like, I'd like to hope that when my children have children of their own, that the conversation you and I are having will seem weird because they'll be like, wait, 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 what? People are doing what? Yeah. Why were they doing that, that way back then? You know, you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of where I'd like to hope we evolve to at some point in time. Um, but I do want to acknowledge how you felt, you know, with, you know, losing a relationship and um, yeah, I, I appreciate that you want to reach out to the sister because I, I, I agree that um, checking in on her is probably you know, a, a good idea, but I also would think that you need to think about your own well-being and, mm -hmm. you know, you aren't responsible for her and that sort of thinking too comes into mind for me. So yeah. Um, is there anything else you would like to add? Anything you would want to say to someone who's, you know, uh, n you know, just coming out as, as, as trans or other, another, another member of the LGBTQ community or, um, family members, anything that you can, you would want to share. I know you mentioned counseling and um, mm -hmm. resources and so on, but um, I, I'm just curious because I'm, 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 I'm so impacted by the fact that there's such a high rate of, of self-harm in that community. That I'd like to think that there's a positive message that can be imparted yeah. here to help people. Absolutely. Um, live your truth. Your truth, no one else looks at you or looks back at you in the mirror every day. And just because it's hard to come out and you're gonna come out multiple times, it's worth it to be who you feel that you are and you're valid and you're important and your voice matters. And I have a genuine hope that this up and coming generation, I mean, I'm a millennial, but 
this up and coming generation of people in their, you know, early 20s, even 18, they're an incredible generation that I truly believe that will will change the face of what LGBTQIA individuals um, will experience in the next 10 years. Um, if you don't feel safe, find someone you feel safe with. If you need, there's plenty of Facebook groups and things for LGBTQIA individuals, whether that's teens, adults, or otherwise. And there are hundreds, thousands of allies out there that would rather listen than to hear another statistic. I'm proud of you for coming out. I'm proud of you for being who you are because it's not easy. And like you said, uh, it's no one would choose this if we had a choice. But don't be another statistic. You're worth it. You are somebody. And you're loved. And there are plenty of us out there, when you use the term ally, plenty of us out there that would be just honored to have someone reach out to us to say, hey, I need to talk to someone about this who's not going to judge me, who's not going to, you know, say I'm wrong or immoral or an abomination. I can't get over that term. Um, That sort of thing. You know, there, there, there are many people in the ally community who are certainly willing to, you know, it's, it's a safe zone to, you know, come mm-hmm. and come and find us and, and, and we'll hear your story. So yeah. that definitely would be my message as well for this. So I am truly sorry that your sister um, has made her choices. Um, I feel bad for her kids. Cause I think that, you know, for us to move forward as a society with cultural acceptance takes um, parents teaching their children that, you know, we're different and that's okay. Yeah. Um, otherwise we just keep perpetuating, you know, the, the, the judgmental, you know, whatever. And that's, yeah. that's a bad thing because kids learn from an early age, you know, what, what they know, which anyway. Yeah. So I want to thank you so much, Cade, for this podcast interview. Um, I know, you know, of course, I've had you come and talk to my students in my class before and your presentations are always everybody's favorites for the class. So I appreciate your openness and the things that you share, um, the, 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 the resources you provide and so on. So um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And I appreciate everything you had to say. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of the book, The Spider Killer, a memoir of trauma, tragedy, and survival. You can find the book on Amazon and Kindle.